Welcome to On The Block with Richard Stone. Richard is a 40-something construction company owner based in the UK. His passions are technology, business automation, customer experience, and helping other small business owners using his own valuable life and business experience. This podcast will be a mixture of solo spots, casual conversation, as well as inspirational key people of influence from their respective fields. Make yourself comfortable and enjoy listening. Here is your host, Richard Stone. Right, good afternoon and welcome to On The Block with Richard Stone. This afternoon we are joined by Dan Mason. Dan is affectionately known as the One Man Army. So good afternoon, Dan. Good afternoon, Rich. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, it's good, good. In nice sunshiny weather, which is um, it is beautiful. Helping to spend time at home whilst we're all furloughed. So, <laughs> so Definitely. right, we'll jump straight in. So we've got some standard questions that we ask all our guests, which you probably know from listening to the show. Um, yeah. We'll go through those first, and then we'll move on to talking about sort of more relevant subjects to yourself and your army is that okay yeah yeah sounds good okay brilliant right so first off then what did you want to be as a child and why so i wanted to be a racing driver um (laughs) yeah so um i've i've been into cars since i can remember like three four years old i absolutely obsessed with cars um i grew up watching formula one my, uh, my favourite racing driver was Michael Schumacher before he was successful. <laughs> um, and okay. uh, yeah, I, I've, I've just ever since then, I, I was just sort of obsessed with, with, with racing and, and cars and all of that sort of stuff. So unfortunately, it didn't happen, but yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not how your current vehicle ended up um playing. no 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 <laughs> cool. so moving on there's so a favorite famous person uh jordan peterson okay jordan peterson i'm going to show yeah. my ignorance now who's jordan peterson so jordan peterson is a professor um he's a philosopher um very intelligent man um I highly recommend him to anyone. He, 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 the man's a genius, basically. He, he understands um, sort of like mathematics, but also so, social and cultural sort of interactions and psychology and things like that. So, you know, oh, the, wow, okay. the advice, yeah, the advice that you can get from him for just sort of general life is, uh, is, is pretty incredible to be fair. Oh, cool. I'll have to, I'll have to, um, do some research and find out a little bit more. Brilliant. So moving on swiftly then. So three things from your bucket list. What were the top three things that you'd like to do? So the three bucket lists are, uh, I'd like to move to Australia one day. Um, as much as the UK is lovely. Um, Australia feels a little bit more like my sort of, uh, my sort of place to live. Um, so one day I'd like to move out there and own, my, own a farm. Um, the second one, I'd like to be a property developer. That's sort of like my career goal. I'd right. like to end up as, um, which I could get, guess you you kind of can identify with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Property is um, definitely a good place to be. Not for the yeah. faint-hearted, but um, no, certainly it can be a very rewarding, very rewarding um, career. Absolutely. Um, and then 
my 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 third one is is a bit of a big one so i would like to create the biggest home homeless charity in the uk i it's it's sort of been a dream of mine when i was younger um i before i went into foster care i i was homeless and the amount of homeless people that i met at the time was was a lot and i i know that they don't get the help that they need uh and i think that i have some of the solutions on on how to help them so okay wow quite a philanthropic activity that would be wouldn't yeah. it? and very yeah. very rewarding so yeah, yeah quite quite interesting that we'll perhaps touch on that in a little one okay yeah. so three things that you'd like to consign to room 101 what three right. things really grip your <laughs> um so uh fakery i can't stand people who are fake uh you know i like things to be be kept real sort of thing you know i like people to be themselves i think it's the best way for humans to interact you know and i and i think that sort of that that shame that people feel of who they are you know is sometimes sort of such a restriction for success in life so that's but like limiting beliefs do you mean is that what you mean yeah, I mean, uh, uh, like, you know, people sort of feel like they have to be a certain way to be palatable by people. So one of the big things of me on LinkedIn is I'm obviously quite outspoken. Um, you He's know, not, are I, you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's like fundamentally it's about being myself. You know, I, I, and I think, you know, I, I see people and I see good people you know, who uh, I just wish that they would be more like themselves, especially online, you know, to the wider public. Like you're, you're a great, great example of someone who, you know, you're exactly the same as you are offline as you are online, you know, and it reads really well. Yeah. Just, just me. It's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes, yeah. Take, taking a long time to get comfortable with being myself, but yeah, you know what it's, um, yeah, it's yeah. a much much nicer place to be most of the it time. It certainly is. Yeah, but it's, I mean, uh, people talk about mental health. You know, one of the best things about, or one of the easiest ways to have a good mental health about you, you know, like you say, is to put in that work to just be yourself. You know. Yeah, no, that's good. So yeah. fakery is number one then. Yeah, uh, recessions for all the obvious reasons. Can't stand them. Um, and I couldn't really think of a third one, so we'll just okay. put coronavirus in there. Okay, that's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, that can so, go for one on one, nice so and easy. Fake grey recession and coronavirus. Yeah, I'm sure most of the listeners and probably most of the wider public would um, probably agree with all three of them, actually. Yeah. Okay, so favourite hobby? What does Dan enjoy doing in his spare time? Uh, well, so we touched on it a little bit earlier. So cars, like I love working on cars, messing about with them and stuff um i'd like to obviously do a bit more racing i'd like to get into karting as well like doing go-karting okay i think that'd be cool uh computers and then business like business i've been obsessed with for years so it's uh it's one that that got me into linkedin you know it's like that that passion for making something from nothing you know yeah building something from scratch yeah it's, yeah, it is remarkably rewarding, actually. Yeah. Okay. I've had so, a, I've had a couple of goes, but uh, we'll 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 see what the third one brings. <laughs> do you know? Yeah. Do you know what? And people always say, "Oh, yeah, don't ever deal with him. He's, he's you know, he had a company that didn't work out." Well, 
I'd sooner deal with someone who's had some companies that haven't worked out and they've learned from it than someone who's never had a company that's not worked out because they don't know what don't know what they're doing. They've yeah. never had any experience yeah. to learn from. So very true. It's um yeah, never be ashamed. You know, if people people are afraid of failing, they won't ever do anything. Very true. Very true. Um, okay, so dinner with a famous person. If you could have dinner with a famous person, who would that person be? Where would you go, so, and what would you eat? So that would be Jordan Peterson again um, at his house because it's probably really nice and pizza because I love pizza. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, just imagining some of the conversations that me and him would have, it, that, that sounds like a good, good, a good dinner. Yeah, it sounds like it. I don't, as I say, I don't know. I've not heard of him, but certainly from what you've just sort of appraised you've given me, that sounds like that could be a really interesting conversation. <laughs> cool. So moving on, favourite holiday destination? Uh, this one I'm not too sure about. I haven't been on holiday. Uh, you know, I haven't been on holiday for 10 years to this year. Um, so I, I think I would very much like to go and explore a lot of Europe. So I, I, I would I would just say Europe for now. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. What makes you proud? What makes Dan proud? What's the one <laughs> thing that makes you proud? Um, so believe it or not, it's my career, which obviously at the moment isn't it isn't in the best of situations. But you know, I like to say I I, I didn't do fantastically at school. Um, you know, I left at about thirteen. Um and I still managed to go back with barely any education after that, um, other than my own interest in education, studying for maths and English, and managed to get myself uh, two GCSEs. Um, so since then, I've managed to almost level myself up to some extent to the point where I'm almost on par with people who have been to university and stuff. So for me, that, that, that's something that I feel quite... Yeah, proud. that's a massive achievement, eh? It's well done. Yeah. It's... I must admit, I find that the learning I'm doing now, I actually, I love. I really, yeah. really love it. And when I go and talk to people at, like Youth Build and different schools and stuff, it's mm. that's the one thing that I always try, you know, your brain's a sponge. You need to just keep yeah. on learning because it's, yeah. but find something that you're interested in learning about. Yeah. And yeah, because then it will sink about. in. You can't learn something you're not interested in because your brain just doesn't want to absorb it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And that's, I had the same kind of realisation, you know, after I realised that I, you know, after I sort of got away from school, I actually realised that I was quite interested in language, you know, from music, especially, you know, obviously to, to enjoy music, you need to understand a lot about language and rhymes and, and lyrics and things like that. So, yeah, that sort of sparked an interest back into English and then it all just kind of absorbed back in, you know, I'm, I'm as grammatically correct as, as most people that have got sort of like you know much much higher qualifications than me so yeah cool so next question what makes you grateful and why uh grateful my gratitude is definitely my daughter um i i everything that i do is for her you know if i'm if all, all of my drive and passion and energy and positivity everything that keeps me going is because i'm grateful for her okay cool 
Right. So now we know a little bit more about Dan and what makes Dan tick. So, so moving on to your career then. So yeah. you've, you've done a number of different things in your career, haven't you? And they've I been quite indeed. varied. So, I mean, yeah. I know you for, for a couple of different reasons. One is because you yeah. do like landscaping and brickwork and that kind of thing. But you've also, um, you do asbestos surveillance stuff, don't you? Yeah, I do indeed. Um, so during the last recession in 2008, uh, construction was pretty much the backside of it was sort of fallen out of it a little bit. Um, so I, I basically, I decided to just start retraining. I, I just, I thought I've got to do something and you know, it, it, we're talking over the period of about four years, it was about 2012 by the time, bearing in mind that entire time I was looking for a job, right. uh, hadn't really got anything and, uh, yeah, asbestos just kind of popped up and uh i i sort of started reading into it you know as you do you jumped on wikipedia had a little bit of a google on it and stuff and uh yeah i applied for a lab analyst job so that's working in a laboratory testing for asbestos and what testing samples that people or analysts said yeah. okay yeah yeah in yeah so some samples that were that were taken of building materials taken on site would will go back to a lab um, and be analysed by by an analyst, and that, yeah, that was my that was my introduction into asbestos sort of thing. So, oh, cool. Yeah, Whereabouts that was that? Went, uh, that was in uh, Newdigate, which is just outside Redhill, um, for a company called Redhills, which is a, which is quite funny. Um, but yeah, so they 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 gave me a massive opportunity, really, because you know, like I say, I didn't have that many qualifications or anything like that. But I, I, I basically, I, you know, with a little bit of uh, gift of the gab and all the rest of it, basically secured myself the job by doing the reading prior to the interview. And I managed to say the word mesotheliomia. Um, wow. Yeah, with, with, with some conviction, um, which impressed them. Yeah, well, yeah, that's basically what they said. Um, so after that, they were like, right, you know, you're hired. You start on Monday. Oh, brilliant. And, uh, yeah. So... I obviously went from doing a, a building job, a, a, a skilled labour job, to, to a scientific job, um, learning about light refraction, um, which is basically how light passes through something, um, which is sort of a fundamental to test for asbestos. Um, it's it's like the most accurate way of determining whether whether a fibre is asbestos or something else because if you imagine the amount of different fibers that there are that are sort of roughly about the same sort of size and might look similar to the naked eye mm. you know you, you you need a way to be able to determine that actually that is definitely asbestos so yeah that's how you do okay. it yeah we do it on i mean i must admit on every project we always sort of ask um, well, it's one of, one of the things that we put in our sort of proposition letter is actually um, our lead-in time. And that lead-in time starts from when we when we get hold of the building manual and the asbestos manual. And sometimes yeah. people don't have them. We have to get some sampling done. And then we need to go and get R&D tests done. So I've been on site and met, met analysts to do it and met surveyors and stuff. And I've, I've even actually taken samples to labs myself in the past um, to oh, get cool. stuff tested. Like especially yeah. sort of like roof line stuff and fuse boards yeah. and panels and stuff but i didn't yeah. know how they actually test it so that's really interesting yeah yeah it was one, one of the most interesting parts about that job which was kind of cool at the time but uh 
sort of got, got a little bit boring after a while because once you kind of understand the science behind it, it then becomes a bit of a, a, a sort of a, a manual job. You know, you're mm. basically, you know, once you understand the science, you're just using your eyes to look for something, you know, and I'd kind of honed that skill quite quickly and uh, became very effective at it. I did it for a couple of years, but um, yeah, it was, it, it was something that I was like, right, I, I need something to kind of, a new challenge, you know, I needed a new challenge at that point. Um, yeah, I can imagine. So, so how long yeah. did you do How long did you do that for? Uh, two years. Okay. Cause that yeah. must've been quite a culture change to go from being on site with the banter <laughs> and the crack. And I mean, 2008, yeah. I mean, that was kind of, what's that? 10, 12 years ago, you know, yeah. that was in the days when you could still, there was still plenty of banter and yeah. plenty of crack on yeah. site to go yeah, from that kind was... of environment to a, to a lab environment. I would imagine, that, and I don't know a lot about labs, but I would imagine that that's quite a culture different. change. Yeah, very how, how did that sort of pan out? Because that must have been quite quite challenging, um, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So I, like you say, I mean, at that point, they barely even had CSCS guards on site still. You know, CSCS yeah. was still sort of like, a, if you've got it, it's good. You know, but if you haven't, then whatever sort of thing. But, um, Less yeah, of a so, barrier. So, yeah but um yeah moving from a site-based uh thing as you say having a crack and uh having a good old laugh to going into a lab where you know you have to wear a white coat and everyone's been to university and they all speak nicely and all the rest of it it was definitely a culture shock for me and dare i say it probably a bit of a culture shock for them as well you know yeah i would um, imagine because you're quite an outspoken guy so i would imagine that <laughs> that um that must have been quite challenging for them to manage you as well <laughs> yeah 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 it really right. was yeah i mean you know i i you know it's obviously as you probably remember back in the day it's a little bit more aggressive on sites and uh and stuff like that so you know i had to massively learn to sort of tone myself down you know make myself sound you know I had to not change my voice but just sort of you know soften my voice a little bit you know be a little bit less uh common if you like you know and be a little bit more sort of less sweary and and shouty sort of thing and uh, and learn to sort of you know understand the, the the more corporate and office sort of side of things yeah I think sites were yeah. um sites were definitely a bit different in them days I mean I remember my first job as a site manager meeting some scaffolders on site and the bloke turned up <laughs> to pay their wages and they'd been doing day day shifts on street work and doing nights mm. in Canary Wharf and mm. they, they were they were expecting a pay packet at one level and let's just say that what they were given wasn't quite up to their <laughs> expectation and the next thing yeah. one of them turned around and just chinned the contracts manager and the <laughs> bloke's on the floor and it was like <laughs> okay listen this isn't really how you're yeah. meant to be behaving as a subcontractor what's what's going on and yeah it was it was yeah it was a bit of a nightmare it was yeah yeah, yeah. Nightmare. but I, I i mean i was a site agent at the time so i just had to, i had to i didn't have any input into what subcontractors we were using i yeah. was just told right these are the subbies that are on your job get on with it so it was like right okay so i had to kind of make the best of a bad bad lot really because they were mm. they were very rough and ready and back in them days mm. it was it was a bit different yeah yeah that sort really of behavior was. doesn't I'm not saying it never happens, but it certainly happens a lot less these days than yeah, ever it used yeah, to. So definitely. So, so you stopped doing asbestos surveying. What about 2014? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, 
No, so so that, uh, uh, sorry, that was the um, the analytical side of things. I stopped at that in about two thousand. No, that must have been about two thousand and fifteen. I think it was right. Um, so then I moved into uh, testing the air. So that's uh, so you've got asbestos bulk lab bulk yep. ID, mm-hmm. uh, which is in the lab, and then you've got asbestos analyst, which is testing the air. So that one side um, after you've done some removal yeah. work. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, oh. that for me it wasn't I, I i did it because i thought at the time it would be another good qualification to get behind my belt and i thought you know what i've just come from a lab job going into a sort of a similar sort of scientific job would would be good for my career sort of thing but i kind of learned it passed all the qualifications very quickly you know i got it you know and and stuff but it just wasn't for me so i basically i passed the qualifications and was a little bit like you know what i'm i'm good like I, that's that's me for now sort of thing um so i had a little bit of a break from asbestos i went off and uh i did uh some sort of self-employed work just sort of you know ducking and diving doing a bit of gardening here and there and stuff like that and uh i was doing okay at it and this is probably well this is a the second time that I sort of failed in business, if you like, and uh, I'd learned or hadn't learned one of the fundamentals of business, which is to stick to your prices and, you know, keep them up, which, as you say, Mr. McCulloch, John McCulloch has taught me <laughs> in spades about now. So, yeah, um, yeah it's uh, yeah, it's definitely something that, that at the time I just I'd never been taught it, you know, so my idea and obviously when you look at big business in in sort of in 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 our sort of normal world you look at tesco's and places like that they're always trying to drive down prices you know or you know half price this and all the rest of it so i kind of i kind of got the the impression that that was what businesses try to do stupidly um but uh obviously i've realized now that they're a little bit smarter about it and although they make prices look like they're going down they're actually going up you know this is so what sort of stuff? What sort of tip? What's what was a typical project for you then? Were they was it domestic kind of gardening type work you were doing, or was it commercial stuff? Or uh, yeah, just domestic stuff. Um, mostly, I was building uh, custom built timber sheds. So if you if anyone looks on my profile, you'll see a load of sheds and stuff that I've built. Um, but I also did like patios and garden walls and all of that sort of stuff as well. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So, presen- so shed- sheds and presumably that that was more than just somewhere for Percy to put his pots. It was, some oh, of yes. them looked like they were quite yeah. fancy sort of arrangements, <laughs> were they more like sort yeah, of yeah. outhouses and yeah, yeah, type, that yeah. kind so, of sort of home offices, maybe. Yeah, 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 definitely. So one of them that I built was uh, 4.8 by 6.8 meters. Um, so it was pretty massive. Uh, that was a uh, uh, shed. Uh, shed a garage for a car right um i'm actually not allowed to talk about the car that's in it but or where it is but um it's a bit of a bit of a secret but um yeah it was uh custom built from the ground up i'll get it all out myself um oak corner posts um all, all um framed in softwood uh and then cladded in cedar nice um, yeah 
So did you insulate them as well, or were they just was it just like a tip not of that front? particular one? But yeah, a couple of them I did. So there was a summer house that I built. It's sort of a greeny blue colour. Um, I I insulated and boarded that, ply lined it, um, and it was it was an irregular shape as well. So it, it wasn't actually. It, I think it was uh, five sided or six sided, but um, because it needed to fit in a specific angle of a garden, which wasn't quite square. I had to right. kind of custom build all of that in and stuff. And that uh, must have been fun cutting them. the roof. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god, yeah. The floor and was... the walls are all right, but trying to join the roof up—that must have been. Um, yeah. You want a bit more than just a speed square to work that out? I would have thought. Yes, yes. Uh, the bevel gauge got plenty of use that time. So. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Uh, but yeah, all, 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 all experience. Lost money on it. Plenty of money. I think I've, I've walked out of there about 500 quid down on that job. But, um, you know, it was all experience at the time. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. Apart from the I, price. I love doing that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apart from the price, I probably would have charged about double. <laughs> so is, is that the kind of stuff that it seems to, seems to me that you're quite creative and you like that kind of thing as opposed to kind yeah. of the just sort of processing sort of, like yeah. that, that kind of lab work or the, the, the kind of asbestos sort of stuff. It seems that you're more yeah, of a kind of, of a creative passion. person rather than uh, that's where your passion lies. Is that fair? To, is that yeah. accurate? Sort of? Yeah, definitely. So the asbestos is obviously great money. Um, I love that it's in construction as well. You know, um, obviously getting into the surveying after doing all of that stuff, that sort of... Um, that, that became a very interesting job for me because surveying, asbestos surveying sort of combined, as you say, a bit of the creative and building side of things that I've, I've got in me, but it also jo- joined up the asbestos stuff that I'd learned from the more technical lab side of things. Mm-hmm. So one, once I sort of failed in, in my business sort of thing, I, I sort of thought, do you know what? I'm obviously not that good at business at the moment. I, I need a job that's going to kind of interest me in everything that I want and it's going to be sort of like a long-term plan for me, you know? Um, so it sort of quite naturally led me back to asbestos um, to get into surveying. And I, I passed, I think I, from the start to passing my qualifications, I did that in three months, which is very wow, quick. That's really yeah. quick, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was because I'd had so, so much experience and uh, and whilst I was getting that experience, I was kind of prepping myself for the surveying at the time, you know. Um, I'm quite a studious person, as I found out in my later life, like you were saying earlier. And so I was kind of reading about the surveying stuff, thinking, oh, maybe one day I'll get into that sort of thing. So would you ever want to go back into that? Or do you think you're, where do you, where do you see your future now? I mean, you've got some pretty so, ambitious goals that, that are going to take yeah. some take some funding. So take some, take some doing, yeah. Yeah. Um, so where do you so, see? Where's the next? Where do you want to be in sort of two or three years' time? Do you think? Two or three years' time. Well, do you know what? I'm I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I mean, to be honest, coronavirus has kind of thrown everything off for me at the moment. Like I was planning on starting up my own business this year, uh, doing uh, gardening. So, um, again, same sort of thing. You know, you can be very creative with it, shaping hedges and cutting the grass perfect and tools and all of those sort of things that uh you can you can imagine that i'd like um 
but yeah, it, it, I was going to save up a few quid and, and get started, but then pretty much the lock, lockdown came in and, you know, I've, I've sort of uh, had to sort of jack all of that input now. But yeah, in terms of going back to asbestos, I don't think I'd ever work for a company again, working in asbestos. So one of the things that I wanted to touch on uh, with regards to asbestos is some of the issues that kind of surround it as, 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 a, as an industry uh, within construction sort of thing. Um, and it's the age old, old thing as well. So unfortunately, like I was saying, is I hadn't learned about business um, and was sort of undercharging for my work and all the rest of it. One of the biggest problems with the asbestos industry at the moment is that it's so competitive, so price driven because people don't value the quality that is supposed to come from an asbestos survey. Mm. Um, you know, and effectively what's happening at the moment or well, before Corona is a race to the bottom where all the companies, all the big companies were basically just undercutting each other, just going down and down and down sort of thing you know uh and unfortunately most of that onus then gets pushed on directly onto the staff uh so wages for an asbestos surveyor haven't really risen in the last eight years right at all um the the cars have got less quality you know they uh, a surveyor used uh, an asbestos surveyor or a consultant asbestos surveyor used to get get like a fairly top of the range sort of you know salesman type car like a mondeo or a you know a skoda or something like that but whereas now they're sort of trying to give them as cheap as possible sort of thing and uh you know they're not particularly nice cars and generally you're just push for time all the time you know rather than doing sort of four or five surveys a day they're trying to push for six seven eight i've even heard as many as ten surveys a day you know now, when you're talking about something that's as dangerous as asbestos, you know, the quality has to be there. You know, the time so that has must to be make there. it. Yeah, that must make it difficult to kind of maintain that quality of the of the service and of the actual the surveying. Yeah. If you're yeah. trying to, because it's not just the the surveying; it's the travelling between those appointments as well. Isn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. you know, people sort of forget, but in, I mean, I work a lot of my work's in London, and I can travel from one one job to another to go and see the site teams. And it can take me two hours to travel from one site to another. And people are like, yeah, but it's only four miles away. Yeah, but it might be. But London traffic, particularly if I've got drop-off materials, which sometimes does happen. I mean, if I'm not dropping yeah. materials off, I use public transport quite a lot. But if I've got to drop materials off, then I'll drive. And um, It's a nightmare, isn't it? The, the traffic can be absolutely awful. So that must be quite challenging, especially if you're working in London, to try and yeah. deliver that kind oh. of level of um, output a day. Well, yeah, so if you imagine some of the maths on it, right? So uh, your standard sort of three-bedroom-sized house, right, built in, the say, the 60s, right, when asbestos was rife, you'd expect that survey to take anywhere from about an hour and a half to two hours, right? Now, you're imagining in an eight-hour day, that, without any travelling, that there says the most that you're going to get done is about five surveys a day. Yeah, yeah with, with no travelling. With, with no travel, yeah. Now, uh, now you imagine trying to crack all of that out. Now, obviously, some of the uh, asbestos firms, they offer good overtime rates. So, you know, once you've gone over your eight hours, they'll give you a sort of time and a half and you can work sort of 12 hours and, and things like that. But even at 12 hours, you know, okay, that might be two extra houses a day. You know, 
or sorry, one extra house a day with the travel kind of included in it as well. And when they're pushing for more and more and more, you know, these are, this is where the issues are starting to come from. And I, I, I've personally, I've seen it in, 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 in my experience where, you know, there is no, something's got to give, you know, it can't, it can't be, I think this is another famous one of John's as well, you know, is it can't be cheap, good, and fast. No. Yeah. Quality across time triangle. Yeah. You can't have all three. Yeah. Um, and it's something that, you know, I've been as outspoken as I am, you know, I've, 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 I've been a big advocate of this and I've, I've raised it with, with a lot of people over the time, you know, and it's something that's well known within the industry. Um, but you know, unfortunately there's, there's nothing that's been done about it. So, you know, in terms of me looking, looking back on that and thinking, mm, should I go back to that industry? You know, I've, I'm not to toot my own horn or anything, but I was considered a very good surveyor, you know, in, 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 in the companies that I've been, have been at, you know, I've, I've got the recognition that I'm a good surveyor and I was fairly quick at it, but not that quick. You know, there is no, there is no gains to be had from the quality that you need to, and when, when you're talking about something where fundamentally you are looking for something, you know, you, it's, it's not like a guaranteed result every single time. Sometimes you might need to take 20 minutes to pull up floorboards because you think that there might be some boarding under them or something, you know, mm. those are the sort of things where you can't, you can't sacrifice anything other than time on those things. You know? I suppose the other thing yeah. is, if you try and rush it, you run the risk of dam- creating excessive damage to the to the building, don't you? I mean, it's all yeah. very well saying, or it's yep. a destructive survey, but there's ways of doing destructive <laughs> surveys that don't mean yeah. you just take a sledgehammer to, to, Absolutely. T- to and take a floorboard up when actually you could do it sensitively and actually cause minimal amounts of damage. Absolutely, and I'm, presumably you're talking from experience there, and I've seen exactly what you're talking about. You know, I, I worked for one one company where they had CCTV running whilst the asbestos surveyor was doing the survey. Uh, and you know, he wasn't wearing hardly any PPE. He was literally running around with a lump hammer, thumping it through walls and stuff, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately it's to say that is fairly common, you know, that, like being honest and the fact that I'm probably not going to be, be back in the industry anytime soon. You know, these are, these are some of the issues is that, you know, if a surveyor hasn't got the time to get his drill out, you know, put his mask on, drill a nice perfect hole, put a nice patch over the over the top of it after he's finished, you know, if he hasn't got the time to do that, he's going to get a lump hammer and he's going to thump it through a wall, you know? Yeah, it's at the end of the day. So I think, and that's why for me, I mean, we always, with this, we've got certain businesses that we use for those kind of services and mm. we use those businesses for a reason because it, effectively, yes, they might be a subcontractor, but they're an extension of our brand. And actually yes. they're representative of our business when they're out on site. If, if, even if it's not, not from our instruction, we've just recommended somebody to help a client out. That's still yeah. an extension of our brand. And I just will not have people behaving like that. It's just, yeah. it's totally unnecessary. Yeah. It's completely out of order in terms of actually taking respect, being respectful yeah. of someone's property, yeah. whether that's, whether it's tenanted or whether it's the owner occupied, it doesn't matter. It's someone's home. 
and it needs yeah. to be dealt with respectfully. And even if that's in the common parts, I mean, a lot of what we do is common part refurbishments. Um, yeah. So, we, you know, and we need to get destructive testing done because we're sort of pulling in new cabling, running new heating pipe work through potentially, putting new smoke alarm cabling in, all manner of different stuff. You know, there's a lot of builders work goes into common part refurbs. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. Lift supplies, all sorts of stuff. Um, so we want to be we want to be sure, but you know we might get some testing done. It might be three to six months before that project goes forward because of section twenties. It can even be you know I mean we've had jobs that take 12, 12, 18 months to get to site. You don't yeah. want to be going smashing seven bells out of the middle of a common parts and then leaving it in that state for that period of time because yeah. people have got you know people are entertaining guests. That's their home. You yeah. don't want you don't want people to have to be sort of subjected to that kind of poor sort of attitude and poor behavior but it does happen i have seen it happen yeah um yeah and that's why i think it's why we're sort of so careful about who we use to do stuff like that yeah yeah and i and that's sort of leading on to the other side of it you know so it's not just the asbestos side but it is the construction side of it as well you know so some of the issues that i've seen from there is there's a there's a distinct lack of awareness i mean you've obviously got fantastic awareness for asbestos and, and great respect for it but you know the amount of sort of the the mythical sort of like oh well i only heard it's it, it's only one type of asbestos that's dangerous and all of this sort of stuff well no sorry it is every type of asbestos any kind of asbestos is dangerous you know and and these are all sort of if you imagine back in the day when they were still trying to sort of play down how dangerous asbestos was to continue using it, uh, which happened for a very, very long time, I might add, you know, a lot of sort of these old wives tales sort of pass around, you know, where it's sort of like, oh yeah, well, if you know, um, the, the most common one that I always raise is with electricians. So electricians, I think you mentioned it as well, is they get the flash pads. Mm. which are in the boxes yep. uh, to stop to stop uh, the, the flash arrest arcing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, oh, they're all right. You know, they're only white asbestos. No, that is raw asbestos. 100% raw asbestos, not treated in any way, shape or form. And even touching it, disturbing it or anything like that releases millions of fibres. It's very, very dangerous. Yeah, know? that's what people don't get. Yeah. I mean, I've had, an, I've had an instance at the back end of last year where there was a load of asbestos in a plant room that yeah. it wasn't actually in the plant room originally. It had allegedly been stripped out, although there was quite, it was quite apparent that whoever had done it hadn't done it properly. Yeah. Um, so whoever had issued the, the certificates of reoccupation really wanted um, some serious investigation. <laughs> but, but loads of um, loose pipe lagging had washed down into, washed down into a plant room. And... Right. Um, it contaminated the whole plant room and yeah. so you know it was a no-go zone so we, we wrote some rams and we put some paperwork together and we got got everything sorted to get a um form submitted for a plan of work i can't remember what form it's called now um so that we could get the work done and we quoted it to quote the work to the client and, and um someone came along and said oh yeah but but to go in there and do what you need to do to isolate those pipes um they, they'll only be in there 50 minutes to do that piece of work. So it's not that you don't need to worry about it. They can just go in there. <laughs> and I was right. like, I said, pardon, what did, what did you just say? And this guy said, well, you don't, it's not, you, anybody can go in there. As long as you're not in there for more than an hour, that's fine. I, was, I know I what he's talking about. I know what he's talking about. I was, like, yeah, but, 
Yeah, but that, that, so what he's talking about there is uh, non-notifiable licensed work. Uh, so effectively, you have you have three different types of work. You have licensed work, you have notifiable licensed work, and you have mm -hmm. non-notifiable licensed work. Yeah. Um, so the, I mean, they they kind of give their names away, but they often get confused. So the non-notifiable licensed work. It's supposed to be an hour, but that includes setting up the rams, setting up the removals, and everything. It's not just the specific yeah, work. So I'm in the room, the yeah. Time, you know, um, it's not a massive. I'm, I'm not going to lie; it's, it's not my biggest sort of uh, not knowledge uh, in in asbestos. But uh, it, yeah, uh, from from the training that I have had, it's definitely. I mean, that's more of a project manager's sort of side of things, which mm. is one qualification that I would have liked to have got didn't but um yeah that that's that's exactly what i'm talking about though you know is is these sort of like like i say these old wives tales of oh well you know you're going to be in there now so it's all right well what why is that you know you have to do these things by the book you know because if you don't and 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 like like kind of going back to what we were saying you know this is where construction really really needs like you know pardon my French, but I kick up the arse with it sort of thing because, you know, they're always trying to downplay it because of the cost, you know, those costs need to be built into the jobs. You know, they need to be respected and sort of like, rather than trying to keep the costs of those down, they need to be held, held to a higher standard because, you know, you get dangerous acts like that and that's where you can really, really end up in hot water, you know, but the costs are negligible in the grand scheme of things. It's like testing mm. testing paint, testing previously paint for lead. Yeah. You know, it yeah. doesn't, it's, it's not, everyone's like, well, why, why would you bother doing that? Well, because it, it could have contained lead, it's really harmful, and it's mm. not expensive. You know, I mean, if, I, if we go and take some samples today, we can have the results back by today, what's today, Tuesday. We can have results back by Thursday. It's not yeah. difficult. But it's just about yeah. protecting, it's about, one, it's about complying with legislation, but mm. it's actually about protecting people and making sure that the workplace yeah. and the working environment is safe for people that are going to work. Yeah. To 100%. me, that is, that is more important than anything. So, so yeah. I, and I can't understand how people can sort of reach a conclusion that, well, it's, we haven't got that money in the job, we won't bother doing it. Well, yeah. that's like just saying, well, we'll just consign somebody to being massively at risk then <laughs> basically yeah risking someone's life for the sake yeah. of, of of not investing or or not pricing you know which is where sort of like maybe and anthony would come in you know anthony manson mm. qs who would be able to protect you from those sort of things you know who would be able to say to you well hold up a minute you price this job but you haven't allowed for any asbestos yeah sort of thing, well, you know? or, or qualified outlet you haven't done it so yeah cool yeah right okay so we're in the middle of lockdown at the moment for COVID-19, so it wouldn't be right if I didn't ask you for your thoughts on um, any tips you might have for employees um, and any tips that you might have for, from this, your experiences in the past of for business owners. Yeah, so, I mean, in particular for COVID-19, you know, having come from asbestos where effectively I've, I've, I've dealt with a fibrous material that is sort of as harmful as covid you know it just takes longer to harm someone you know um but the idea is is that it's all teeny tiny weeny little particles so one thing that i would say in particular 
from my experience that I could offer for for the lessons learned from COVID is for people that are sort of like ah, it's only asbestos sort of thing. Oh, they used it for years and all the rest of it is imagine imagine what COVID is like now and how how dangerous people are treating it. Um, you know, everybody's going around saying that the the measures that are in place aren't enough. You know, that we need more of a lockdown. We need to be more socially distant and things to to stop it from spreading. Is apply those same things to asbestos because fundamentally it is just as dangerous. It just takes longer to 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 harm you. You know, and like the the things that you can get from asbestos are lung cancer, mesothelioma which is uh, scarring of the lungs, I believe, and cancer sort of like in the sacs surrounding the lungs. But basically, if you smoke as well, you're you're 56 times more likely to get lung cancer if you come into contact with asbestos, which is monstrous, you know? Wow. So I really do think that people need to start paying more attention in in construction people need to start paying more attention to the dangers of asbestos and start treating it more like it is the disease that it it could potentially be you know okay thanks very much so if people want to get in touch with you for for any reason whether that's for some garden work or for some asbestos surveying work (laughs) yeah yeah. um what's Um, the best way for people to reach out and connect with you then yeah just jump on linkedin um I'm I'm about I'm there so I'm usually on there pretty much every day um at the moment most of the day if I'm uh, if I'm bored just networking and stuff I love to have a chat with people and and share ideas and stuff uh not just about the things that we've spoken about today but many other things as well um so yeah always up for a chat brilliant well thanks for coming on the show and um no worries. thanks for having a chat today it's been good to talk to you yeah nice one take care thank you Dan Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to the On The Block podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To find out more about the work that Richard does, please visit his website, www.stonecontracts.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy his show. Thanks for listening and see you soon on the blog. On the Block podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To find out more about the work that Richard does, please visit his website www.stonecontracts.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy his show. Thanks for listening and see you soon on the Block.